0: Hello, welcome back to the Masonic Roundtable, a weekly program where masons from around the world get together to talk about Masonic news and opinions in a friendly and social manner. As a reminder, the thoughts and opinions expressed here are solely the opinions of the participants and do not represent any grand Lodge statements or positions. Make sure you keep your conversations open for the public and on the level to interact with us. We love seeing you live every Thursday night. So hello, Facebook and YouTube land. The chats are always fun. Love seeing you there. Lots of good things. We can't even get to them all. It's It's just so much awesome. But remember that your chats may also show up on the show. So keep that in check. And if you can't catch us live, catch us on the replay or on your favorite podcasting app. So you know me. My name is John Ruark. I'm a past master of the Patriot Lodge number 1957 in Fairfax, Virginia. Next up for his introduction, brother, Jason Richards. How's it going? Hello. 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 My name is
1: Jason Richards. I'm a Past Master, of Vacation Lodge Number 16 in Clinton, Virginia. A member of the Colonial Lodge Number 1821 in Washington, D.C., and Lafayette Lodge Number 79 in Zanesville, Ohio.
0: Glad you, to be here. You almost did that without taking a breath. Good on you. And there, there's the challenge of the week. And still, Worshipful master, Joe Martinez.
2: Oh, one more day. One but who's counting? Day. One. I'm not counting. One more day. Absolutely. Joe Martinez, worshipful master of Manassas Lodge, number 182 in Manassas, Virginia, member of Benjamin B. French Lodge, number 15 in the District of Columbia, and member of many, many other things. And as always, damn glad to be here.
0: One more day. Life
1: master in perpetuity. One more day.
0: (laughs) One more day. day. Awesome. 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 So good luck. Good luck on everything. Good luck on the stated... Good luck on the elections and good luck on the installations
2: oh speaking of statements good luck to our uh the fourth member of our little minivan of fun the fourth beetle yeah where's he's, he he's getting installed as worshipful master what? of his lodge yeah yes.
0: so, so yeah. not 24 hours of overlap so cheers to robert salute salute best of best luck wishes. in your upcoming three years
2: and he's secretary for life in all his other bodies. So he's of good. course,
0: of course. Woo. So that's where Robert is tonight. Mm-hmm. So best of luck. If you're watching and if you're watching, you shouldn't be. You should be paying attention to your lodge. That's right. Let's, uh, give a special shout out to the patrons who support the show. You guys are awesome. Woo. The rocker sucks. We love you. We, we love keep this you. Show yeah. for almost 10 years now. Oh man. That's yeah. Crazy. That's crazy stuff. So, um, if you want to support, Masonic education, head to patreon.com slash the Masonic Roundtable and uh, chip in a few bucks and join our super secret squirrel Facebook group where we can chat with you about all sorts of fun things. And as many of our patrons know, there's all the, the fun stuff the spreadsheets and the behind the scenes and the uh, research that we give. You started sh- with
1: spreadsheets? Sh-
0: Are you? Oh, who me? doesn't who doesn't want Masonic spreadsheets you get all the Masonic spreadsheets no not you you get all the Masonic spreadsheets if you yes, I don't want them to yeah Let's start with spreadsheets golly day never be in sales so you get skulls you get all the skulls if you head over to patreon.com slash the masonic more skulls cool with that okay that's yeah. we'll work on that and spreadsheets there's a perk okay uh what else do we have coming up Jason what do we got here? Uh, let's see. Tinyurl.com slash capital T, capital M, capital R, gift.
1: Lowercase gift. So, if you know TMR and you've been following us for a while, you know one of our favorite things in the entire world is to facilitate a completely voluntary and on your honor Secret Santa gift exchange. And Woo! so this year, we're pleased to announce number four, our fourth annual secret Masonic Santa Yay! gift swap. Yay! Super exciting. I'm go excited. and sign up if you'd like to participate. Tinyurl.com slash TMR gift. TMR needs to be capitalized. Gift is all lowercase because it is case sensitive. Um, so go and sign up. You can sign up until Monday, December 11th. And then you have until the 22nd to get your gifts to your assignees. Now, look, this is on the honor system. Okay. TMR is not liable for you shipping someone out an amazing gift and then your person not shipping you anything. Haven't had that happen yet. Mm Knock on wood. We're not going to. We're not going to because we're all awesome. This is not a gift exchange. That is open only to Masons.
0: That is true. So, mm-hmm. Friends of TMR.
1: Friends of TMR. Yes. Um, so, go in, put some cool stuff on your wish list, um, and get ready for, for just something that's really fun and a chance to learn about somebody new. And browse
0: other people's wish lists. because mm-hmm. There's some really good ideas I've stolen from Joe's and Jason's yes. list. Likewise.
2: Yeah. So get your lists up. <laughs> Sign up today, get your lists up by tomorrow so I have an idea of what I'm getting for Christmas.
0: I'm not gonna lie. Um, that's, that's more fun just browsing other it people's lists. Right. <laughs> but you know, I mean that's i, you guys I started, are just ripping off my list. I know.
2: <laughs> but I started doing the gift exchange before I even came on the show and I got you get to meet such awesome people, right? You know, when you're exchanging gifts and you get an insight into their mind and what they're asking for, for Christmas. It's super interesting.
0: Yeah. Knowing. I got, the, yeah,
1: I got is, in, um, good. I think it was last year or the year before I got a great gift from brother Chad and he included a couple like really interesting pictures. That I learned a little bit of history about the West Virginia Congress. And like, it was just really, really super cool. Um, so the other thing, too, is that um, none of the TMR hosts are eligible to give gifts to each other through this gift exchange. By design. By design. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I've done drawing restrictions for all the TMR hosts. So we are all going to be giving gifts to people who are not hosts on the show. That's right. So sign up and maybe you'll get something awesome from one of us. Indeed. Maybe it's a lot yeah. of fun. Tiny URL.com slash TMR gift. Sign up.
0: See you there. Be yep. there and be square. Next yep. up. Love it. Tar- tarot card of the week.
2: Tarot card of the week.
0: We got to get a song.
2: I can't keep doing that every week.
1: <laughs> yes. Well, I think I, I, the the Robert put one together for the audio. podcast. Yes, he did. He did. Um, he did. And it was absolutely amazing. So That's Delicious. This week, we've got hot off the Kickstarters, ooh. my brand new Legend of Zelda hand-drawn tarot deck. It's frickin' phenomenal. And let's see what we have here for tonight's show. It is, ooh, the Eight of Pentacles. Oh, those nice. are pentacles, okay. Well, they're rupees.
0: They're ruby. Yeah. yeah.
1: They're not rubies,
0: rupees. Rupees. Indian. And
1: right. so this is this is the uh this is the builder. He is making a whole bunch of money. He's talented, he's skilled. Yeah. High quality, high quality. He has, he has the skills literally to pay the bills.
0: Good work ethic. Yes. 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 What you'll need to contribute to the Secret Santa.
1: Yes, this is, he's from Grayson's Construction, I believe. Oh yeah. Yeah. And he shows up in Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom. Ooh! Yeah. Wow.
0: That's going way back on the Zelda lore that I I need to catch up on. Yeah.
1: So, so in the Rider Wait deck, of course, it's the the young man sitting down at the table putting the the pentacles together.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Uh,
0: industrious.
1: As we all no. be as good so mates. we are. We are industrious, and we can pay our bills, which is yes. also great because of our patrons.
0: With rupees, with rupees, ah, yes,
2: goodness. we accept rupees.
0: All right. Next up, today's topic. So this is uh, an interesting one that I found, and we're going to talk about a scientific study. It's not going to be Masonic spreadsheets. I promise Damn. you. I promise you. There will not be Masonic spreadsheets. Um, Tonight, the topic is called Attire That Inspires or Crab Roasts. Crab Roasts! The concept of enclosed cognition. So what is enclosed cognition? Um, First off, this is a study that was run in 2012. This is actually a set of experiments. Do clothes make the mason? We'll find out. Where... Hajo Adam and Adam D. Galinsky uh, ran a series of experiments. I'm going to walk through with you um, to hypothesize that what the wearer wears affects his or her psychological processes. So before I do, before I get into the details, I have one thing I need to do real quick. So let me just uh, step over here for a second.
2: You're wearing pants, right? Yeah, he is. Okay, good.
1: This Can we do it
0: without the sex noises? This is entertaining I radio, I know. All right, first I have to... Get
2: the cueing and the breathing. What's going
1: on there? All
0: right, it's, uh, it's for the, it's much the only portion of the show. It's the <laughs> AS- ASMR. All right, uh, there this we go. Awesome. Especially for
1: our audio listeners who can't see, like... All right. So John, who needs a pocket pr- protector for his lab coat. Uh, I
0: probably do mind. have somewhere. Okay.
1: So uh, I that just doesn't on, surprise me at all.
0: I just put on a lab coat uh, to describe the set of experiments. So let's go. Let's see what these guys did. Back in 2012, uh, there were three experiments run. And again, their, their goal was to see does wearing a certain type of clothing affect how we process or pay attention to certain things. So the first experiment that was run was they asked some c- roughly college-age students, um, to, they, they put these into a different groups. So they randomly assigned them, which is good for, for trials. They randomly either gave them a lab coat, like the one I'm wearing, to wear, or not. And they gave them a test. So what test did they give them? They actually started off with a, a test called the Stroop test. So you may have seen this pop up before where you try to um, read the color of the word or read the word, but it's going to be distracting because the actual color of the font is different than the name of the word, as you can see on, on the screen here. And so the goal was to see how fast they could read these words, depending on whether they were, whether they were wearing a lab coat or not, and then see what the results were. After running this experiment, The results were that those who were wearing the lab coat made half of the mistakes as people wearing regular clothes in a randomized trial. I mean, that's, that's amazing Mm -hmm. in itself. That's, that's really fascinating if you think about it. Um, so just by the mere fact of putting on a lab coat, they were, they actually made half of the cognitive mistakes. Jason.
1: It depends on what the overall number of mistakes were. Like if people usually only made four mistakes and the people in lab coats made two. True. What they people, uh, people made, you know, a thousand mistakes and the lab coat folks made five hundred, that's a bigger right. deal. That could be.
0: Yes. Yeah, the, obviously right. the sample size. I wanna see the is sample important. size. Yes. yes yeah. Obviously but, the end number is important.
2: Yeah, I, sure. I had a question akin to that. Did they were they completely separate people that they tested lab coats versus non lab coats? It was or random
0: they, and separate. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: So no one person. However, once without a lab coat and once with a lab coat.
0: However, they did also run a separate experiment, um, with, with lab coats or not of, of just a regular cognition test, not one that you really had to pay attention to. And there was no difference in the results. Hmm. So they actually had a little bit of a control while they, they actually had the, the more harder Stroop test that that colored font test uh, to 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 base it on. So that was just experiment one. They said, Hmm, how can we improve or learn more about this type of of wearing clothes and its psychological condition? Let's so do ra-
1: another experiment.
0: Let's change do another it again. variable and do it again. Okay. So what they were wondering was, what if their hypothesis this time was, is it wearing the lab coat and having a symbolic meaning is necessary for improved improved abilities okay and so they're wondering if having this this piece of clothing to actually have some assigned meaning gave it some of its superpowers so what they did was they had a whole bunch of coats and in this time instead of doing random coat or no coat they added a third option they did they randomly gave pr- e- people either a lab coat, said, here's your lab coat. They either gave them the same coat, but they called it a painter's coat, painter's coat or for the third choice, they randomly got assigned to walk by a room with lab coats, hanging on, on the wall, you're just, just hanging on hangers, could being in the presence of lab coats, did that Did that have some Mm. sort of like glow effect to them? Okay. So this time they ran a little bit different test. So they had these people go in these three different groups and this test they ran was kind of this spot, the spot, the difference between Mm. the pictures, right? Can I look at two pictures and find these minute details between them? Okay. I did these at the doctor's office as a kid. That's right. You circle it in highlights magazine. Highlights. There's a throwback you millennials. All right. (laughs) So what was the result? The result was an experiment too, that people that were wearing the lab coats had longer sustained attention than either the painter coat wearers or the people that just observed lab coats on hangers. Hmm. So they do have superpowers. So they do. If they know it's the difference between a lab coat or a painter's coat, so now they're giving they're signing meaning, mm. and it, it's, it's not just any old clothes. It's not just any old coat. It's a lab coat, vice a painter's coat.
1: It's an almost an unconscious
0: bias manifestation. Mm-hmm. I I wear, therefore I am. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, but wait a minute. They still had one more variable they wanted to test. So what they wanted to do for the third experiment, they said, well, we're still not really sure if the the lab coats hanging on the hangers had any sort of magic juice on them, right? <sighs> Highlights magazine. Yes. Um, so they actually had, they ran a third experiment specifically to test. Is there a connection between the coat and the wearer? So we have assigned meaning. We know that there's a meaning now, uh, calling it a lab coat vice a painter's coat. But what about the actual wearing of it with meaning? Do you need both of those pieces yeah. to have uh, you know a, a known bias towards improvement? So let's test it. So in this last case, they had three different random options. So when the when the participants came in, they were either told to wear a lab coat. They were told to either wear that or a painter's coat. Same thing. But this third option, instead of them hanging on the wall, they actually had the participants sit down for a minute before they did their, their test and write about how they felt about a lab coat. They had to like, sit down and contemplate the meaning of what, what lab coats meant to them.
1: Memento lab cotori <laughs> right? Mm.
0: So we're actually trying to see is it the concept of a lab coat, or, or wearing a lab coat? Okay. And here's where so what they did was they they had those three groups, lab coat wearers, paint coat wearers, and lab coat writers, lab coat authors, <laughs> people that were actually sitting contemplating what the uh, the status symbol of, of a lab coat contains. And they went back and they did that second test again, the spot the picture. And what they found was fascinating. I see two pictures. I see two pictures. Yes, you did good job, Jason. There's a difference between them. There are probably the, six. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the results were that the people with the best performance were the lab coat wearers, followed by the lab coat writers, hmm. and then in last place were those who wore the paint coat. So it was the mere fact of having this meaning behind a lab coat still gave you more performance than just pink, pink coat wears. So, so we're actually having people wear things and we're having them assign meaning to them, doubling down on that. And so through these series of trials, what the, uh, basically the the summary was is that Those second and third experiments displayed strong evidence. I'm going to quote here from Wikipedia that enclosed cognition, as they called it, significantly depends both on wearing and the symbolic meaning of a piece of clothing, sustained attention only increased when participants were told they were wearing a doctor's coat. Therefore, Adam and Galinsky concluded that the principle of enclosed cognition relies on the co-occurrence of two independent variables, physically wearing the clothing and its symbolic meaning. So, so any, thought, any questions <laughs> on, on how the experiment was run or anything like that before we, we deviate? These are just the facts.
2: I was going to deviate, so I will shut up.
0: You are a deviant. Mm. Well, let's deviate. Let's go. So, so that's the experiment.
2: Question, 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 mm-hmm. question. So what does having something and then applying a symbolic meaning to it have anything to do with Freemasonry?
0: Oh, I don't know. I just want to talk about it. I was was going to find something else to talk about this week. I was going to say,
1: just go back to Sir Robert (laughs) Moray. He's the first one who did it.
2: It's true. Boom. Well, I mean, it's really interesting when Mm -hmm. when you apply it to a a Masonic context, right? First thing I
0: thought of. Yeah. Yeah,
2: absolutely. What did you think of, Joe? So, I mean... You know, when I read the stuff that you made me read for this week's show, um, <laughs> i, I, I had not master. heard the quote cognition before. didn't know you could read. Um, I can't. Um, <laughs> I have things read to me until tomorrow.
1: Um, Audio.com.
2: Yes. <laughs> but uh, no, I found it super fascinating when when we relate it to Freemasonry. Read, read better the- in a lab coat. Yes. We'll wear a lab coat tomorrow. But um, no, I think that um, super interesting because there's been this underlying current of discussion for years and years and years about freemasonry right uh where you have one camp that's like okay well you got to dress in your best to go to lodge Mm. versus Mm -hmm. i can go in flip-flops and hawaiian shorts and still be a mason so and they're very polarizing sides of the field right Right. you know you've got all with
0: some some valid points
2: absolutely you
0: know And, and then you've got
2: you've got the people that kind of acquiesce to both, right? It's like, well, I'd rather have you there than care about what you wear versus I want to go to a lodge and have an experience that is different than me going to, you know, a restaurant or going to, you know, uh, the VFW or something like that. You know, it's, it's you're trying to create an experience, but then you want the people to show up. So it's really dichotomous and and Mm it's been going on for years and years, right?
0: Exactly. Yeah, do clothes make the man or do... Or does the man make the man? It's a dichotomous hippopotamus. Indeed. Like the hip hop mm. But like I, think, I think
2: from, hip-hop you know. Hip hop anonymous. Hip hop anonymous. love that movie. Um, yes. Make my kids spell it that way. i uh, <laughs> learning it the first time. Um, but I mean, the whole symbolic significance part, that's super duper important when it comes to masonry, right? Because... We have regalia, we have things that we wear when we go to lodge, we have aprons, we have jewels, we have, um, you know, some places have sashes, some places have caps, Right. Um, caps and mantles, um, you know, the ostrich feather hats, you know, they all are, you know, are we playing dress up or are we ascribing yeah. an important meaning to it?
0: Yeah, exactly, right? So one would posit, let's just talk purely regalia right now. So no matter what you're wearing underneath, we have regalia in a Masonic setting that we prescribe a lot of symbolism on and meaning on. And we're told what those are, right? So really most, most men can't claim ignorance of to why they're wearing a collar or why they're wearing an apron in or a lodge. Right. So as part of our ritual, of part of our inner workings of our lodge administration, we do wear articles of clothing. Like you said, it's, it's not necessarily just, you know, the clothes on your body, but, but the jewelry, the aprons with the stabs, like these things that you touch and hold. And we go into great detail and even jurisdictions expand further detail, what this rod means and, you know, how many steps this means and all that. So we, we assign meeting very clearly. So it's not just any rod. It is a deacon's rod that's used to do these things. Right. So that's just like we do. It's, it's not just any lab code. It's not just a painter's code. We actually assign meaning to this jewel is for this office and this is what it represents.
2: Or the wearing of a hat in law. Yeah. It has a very specific purpose and it's only done by certain people. And,
0: yeah. you know, but
1: it's their prerogative, Joe.
0: Yeah wow or, or, or to that point like if you know if you listen to you know for the non-masons you can go try to find on youtube lots of um uh, public installation ceremonies you can find my public installation ceremony on this channel that's true where a lot of this regalia is explained in beautiful detail about what the meaning is and so again that's something that you know we we're deliberate about the, the things that we're, we're asking our members to wear. So that alone would would hopefully give us a little bit more gravitas as to our actions inside the lodge room, just by that fact alone. Because oh, we're yeah, wearing it I, and it has meaning.
2: Yeah, and and I think that um, you know, outside of the the symbolic aspect of it, it does bring a sense of identity to the people who wear it and, you know, understand the meaning behind it, right? So for for Masons putting on the regalia um, you know, has the capability to reinforce a sense of this is why I'm here. And this is what my purpose is. And this is why I come um, being part of something bigger than yourself, you know, belonging to the fraternity. Um, so I think that that has a lot to do with enclosed cognition, right? Because you're delving into the the reasons why you're putting something on, as opposed to just the random acts of, of doing it and I'm sure there's lots of masons out there that just put their crap on and don't give oh, a yeah. second thought and,
0: well you know, and do, that, do, do. That's, that's an interesting angle too them. right because you could lose the understanding of what that meaning is and therefore the effect is, is wearing off right because you'll see guys we've all seen them not going to call out any names, <clears throat> Joe. Where they have an apron that's all stained, has coffee stains on them, hasn't been washed in like forty years, right? It's all frayed at the bottom. It's that it's that one apron they always just grab and just leave in the back of their car until they they go to a lodge, right? Guilty. We know we know somebody somebody that Ooh, might Joe. have. No, that's, it's a, it's a different Joe. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. Joe um, Mama. <laughs> and so you could again for the exoteric Mason it might not have the same psychological effect as those who truly um, just breathe in the effect of what the meanings of of these different uh, types of regalia are even something as simple as a white apron.
2: Well, I mean, I mean, I think that to your point, you say something really important when you talk about the exoteric Mason, because that's another struggle that mm-hmm. we, we argue about ad nauseum when it comes to, you know, Masons in general, um, when it comes to the, the dress factor, right? You know, you've got one camp that says, you know, you want, you know, if you care about the inside, you're going to care about the outside as well, right? And, and that is reflected in your... Um, your cleanliness and your uh, sense of dress and your import that you place when you get dressed before you go to lodge. Um, but again, you've got that other camp. It's like, well, it's really about the internal only. So what does it matter what I wear when I go to lodge? So it's kind of tough to really find one having you know, more more import than the other, you know?
1: Well, so a question I have is, can, can someone, be you know wearing god forbid shorts and a t shirt but still have that same and cloth cognition enhancement when they put on their officer's jewel.
0: Ooh. Mm. Mm-hmm. So actually Does it have to be both, right? It's interesting that that you bring that up because the first experiment they actually compared it to people who were just wearing their regular clothes. Right. Mm-hmm. So um it's the addition of the lab coat over top of the regular clothes that made it special. And so one could argue in that case that it is that additional meaning a, 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 and the wearing together.
1: So you pull out that lambskin or white leather apron, you wear it in shorts, but it has deep meaning to you through your degree system.
0: I don't like it, but I agree with it. <laughs> it's possible. The logic's there. It's possible. You Ooh. got me thinking.
2: That is a fantastic question. So Nanya asked, "Would you wear shorts and a bright yellow shirt to a funeral with flip flops? With flip flops, never. But what, 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 it, well, one? it
1: depends. Depends on huge funeral. So the beach yeah. funeral. <laughs> and if
2: if you're in Miami or not, okay. um, yeah. But uh, no, it's it's." You know, this is stepping outside the bounds of, of enclosed cognition a little bit, I think. Right. Because we're no, they don't. Um, you know, we're talking That's about the, the, the going back to what Jason said, the psychological impact of wearing the regalia and wearing the apron. Does it overstep the fact that you look like a complete schlub underneath it? You know?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So they- and, and so, I mean, just to be that, that really triggered me too, Nanya, because I've been to uh, a couple funerals in the past couple of years. <laughs> where not everyone made an effort to dress up. Uh, um, it it was noticeable uh, and it was more than just one person uh, uh, that literally made no effort, but they were there. So I can't judge, you know, what their intent was, what their relationship was and all that, them being there. Hey, you know, that's, that's between them and, and they're paying their respects. I wouldn't do it, but to that point, I also know that I, you know, just back to the the original debate, like we, I feel better about myself when I'm dressing up to go to lodge, you know, when I put on a sport coat, right? When I put on a tie, um, when I make that extra bit of effort, even if I'm tired, even if I don't want to, I, I do feel better when I do it. That, I, I, I mean, I think- Some I, head nods there.
2: Yeah, no, I think, I, I think- Ultimately, it, it really does. I think the manner and care with which we dress, I feel like I'm taking a side in the whole dress nice for lodge thing, but I'm not. But <laughs> yeah, if we're going to go back to the enclosed cognition thing, yeah. um, you know, enclosed cognition does suggest that what we wear actually affects our behavior, right? So, you know, going back to your your funeral example, um, You know, dressing a certain way for a certain type of event will absolutely affect your behavior. You know, if we believe what Mm -hmm. this study shows. So when it comes to the context of Masonic attire, wearing the regalia, um, doing the ritual and going to the meetings and taking that care does Mm -hmm. enhance the seriousness and solemnity with which the people doing it approach all these events. Right. Like, let's take this to a degree. You know, what if you were... Being initiated and passed or raised, and the hood wind comes off, and you see a bunch of dudes in flip flops, um, that is going to affect you psychologically.
1: Mm-hmm. But I, I guess you know my question is for us to actually talk about for us to actually talk about this, comparing the apples to apples, like we would need a study that would have
0: what everybody else is wearing as an independent variable, and we just don't have. Well, first thing we need to do is create a Masonic spreadsheet, and we'll oh. actually document Damn it. who's wearing what on what dates and what degrees, and then track the experience. So,
1: John, you are literally putting me to sleep.
0: So here's another thought: <laughs> What if Masonic uh, Gantt chart? <laughs> <laughs> be right back. Um, <clears throat> yes, hashtag 2040, all based on data. So. The other thing that came to mind, too, is, okay, so we talk about the regalia. We talk about our own personal clothing that we wear in lodge settings. The other thought that um, you may not have thought about is, like, Scottish Rite degrees, right? Several valleys do full costume. They don't have to, but they do these full costume degrees. And you'll see gentlemen dressed up, you know, in Middle Eastern attire and just make make a whole a whole theatrical show of this. So you can't, you know, you could argue that there is also this, um, you know, I'm filling this role and, you know, we're gonna go to the whole like, Chad Kapinski, you know, like actors type of, of bringing that actor a theatrical presence into that as well. Um, there's one thing to act as something. And there's also one one thing to wear the costume and be part of that stage presence as well. So I, I would I would add that to it. It's certainly not the original intent of the enclosed cognition study. But well, it,
2: it it's a better is, experience. Right? Because, yeah. No, it kind of is because if if you're looking at the study and what they were trying to prove, you know, it does psychologically impact your sense of understanding of what you're doing, your sense of tradition and your sense mm-hmm. of respect for what it is you're doing. So again, going back to the hey I'm doing a degree and I'm wearing uh, a costume that's appropriate for that time and place that, that we're enacting, as opposed to wearing a polo shirt with my belly button hanging out. Mm. Um, you know, it's a different vibe and it 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 creates a different atmosphere. So
0: it is okay. So lab coats and lodge. That's what I, that's what I got out of this, this conversation needs more lab coats. I need you to spreadsheet this out for me because it's not not drawing Uh, the the
2: dots together.
1: (laughs) Only if it's one of those spreadsheets where, uh, you know, it has a macro built into it. So it's like the airplane fly game.
0: Oh, those are fun. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. With tables. Yes. Pivot. Pivot tables.
1: Oh, pivot tables. Pivot. My my
0: heart.
2: (laughs) V look up there. (laughs)
0: bunch of nerds i swear i, I can't stand wow. you guys yes.
1: I, I was the one making the friends references i don't feel like that's okay <laughs> yes so but the real question is Gary, Gary. Brings up. Yep.
2: apron over or under <laughs> the lab coat it is in virginia depends on the jurisdiction virginia
1: is under unless you're your, a public ceremony outside and it
2: has <laughs> your tummy so two votes for that
1: yep
0: ah uh, funny stuff okay so <laughs> in conclusion Um, we can apply this tested psychological phenomenon by wearing regalia, better clothes, costumes, and assigning meaning to them so that we can increase our psychological awareness, our tenderness, and our commitment to the craft. So pretty neat. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Study. I like it. Yep. So, yeah. Just, in, you know, as Joe said, immediately when I read that, read about that study, um, first thing I thought of was, was Freemasonry and how we could use that to to better the craft, better ourselves, better our craft, right? So, Sun Card brings up a good point. What? Are we all going to be a TO Lodge now <laughs> because of this? John, actually, the term is called observant.
1: <laughs>
2: now, well, you, you know, uh- and we know he's 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 uh you know thank you for the for the comment. I, I think it's a I think we've hinted at it a little bit tonight, right? Because it did it did start a movement in Freemasonry, right? Um, mm-hmm. you know the whole observant movement that was a big thing. Give a crap about what you wear and wear right. your best,
0: okay. Re- regardless of what it is. Which is again the whole point of the meaningness that's a ta- uh, that is that is assigned in this experiment, right? So I would equate the term observant as Andrew Hammer, you know, tries to posit in here with, you know, the, the assignment of the meaning to the lab coat, that as long as you are assigning meaning to your Freemasonry, do that. Yeah. And whether it's been through the MRF, the Masonic Restoration Foundation, uh, or Andrew Hammer himself, you know, they are very often, you know, to correct everyone to say, it's not about elitism, it's about just do masonry well, like do it prescribed according to your jurisdiction, but do it well and do it with intention and do it with purpose. That's what we're trying to get back to. I'm all for that. Boom. Boom. Cool. All right. Let's, um, let's shift gears here. And while I just robe, um, Ooh, I'm gonna ooh. let. Uh,
1: <laughs> I didn't realize it was that kind of show.
0: <laughs> it's a TMR ooh. after dark. Look at this. About Uh, Joe, what? What have we oh. got here?
2: <laughs> they really found an angry dude. To, to <laughs> that's, a, that's an uh, angry,
0: angry that. Paul New or uh, yeah. Paul Rubens.
2: Yes, R.I.P. Um, yes. So we're gonna briefly talk about the. New, but not new, because it's over three centuries old, reaffirmation of the ban uh, to join or be in Freemasonry by Roman Catholics. Wow. Yes. So that has showed up its face in the news again. Um, the Pope just issued, um, or the, the uh, I feel like I want to throw out like a 1984 comment here, you know, like the Department of, uh, you know, not allowed to do anything um, (laughs) in Rome basically reaffirmed the ban and the Pope did, uh, you know, issue a letter saying that Catholics are not allowed to become or remain Freemasons. Um, and the reason why, you know, the TLDR is, um, the Bishop or Archbishop, I believe it was in the Philippines, um, was very concerned by the growing, growing, growing numbers, um, you don't have a spreadsheet for that, but you need that, John. Uh, the growing um, number of Freemasons. Um, no. Um, oh, Freemasons,
1: oh, no, Freemasons. we're not.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah no, we're talking us.
1: not. We're not talking about the the real problems with the church, right? Okay. So no, 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 we're many, talking about many, Freemasonry. Got it.
2: Yeah. Many, many, many people in the Philippines are joining Freemasonry. Um, they are definitely not on the same curve as many lodges in the United States. They're growing <laughs> by leaps and bounds, which is awesome. Um, Mhm. Uh-huh. I'd say 95%, that's probably a good estimate, if not 98% or more of the country is Roman Catholic uh, as well, right? Um, Mm -hmm. So we can thank uh, Spanish Conquest for that, uh, South America and the Philippines. So, um, yeah, so they are, uh, the clergy in the Philippines are very concerned that all these people who are all Roman Catholics are joining Freemasonry. Um, So he wrote to the Pope and asked for some help. So basically, we got a letter back. Again, reaffirming the ban. This is nothing new. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's been around since the 1700s. Um, I know we have one article here. Chris Hodap wrote a fantastic article on it going into the history and the details of it and things. Mm -hmm. But it's basically just a reaffirmation of the same damn thing that um, you are not allowed to be Catholic, not allowed to receive the Eucharist uh, if you are a Roman Catholic Freemason.
1: 1884 was the uh, Humanum Genus by Pope Leo XIII.
0: There was an earlier one. There was
1: an earlier so one. So
0: what was yes. the nineteen eighty like three decision then? So it was uh so the seventeen
1: thirty-eight uh decision was made by Clement the Twelfth, and that was the earliest okay. denunciation of Freemasonry. All right. So I did not answer your question though.
0: It did not. Um So, so clarification question. Like, so Steve says, "Why are Catholics banned?" No, no, no. Catholics are not banned from Freemasonry. It's the other way around. Freemasonry is banned to be a Catholic. That you should not be a member of Freemasonry. That was not English, by the way. Yes, Catholics
1: are not allowed to be Freemasons. Right.
0: Right. So, does
1: that mean we don't care if Freemasons are Catholics?
0: Right. We don't ask. That's true. We don't ask. We don't care. We don't. It shouldn't be asked. Right. So yeah, I think what this is fascinating too because you know, first off that it had to come to a point where it had to be clarified and had to be kind of just put back into the you know, the the, the current part. status quo. Just just bring up back you bubble up these old these old thoughts and ideas and just reaffirm the the stance of the church. And so, you know, first thing, first thought I had to come to mind is like, I don't, I haven't seen or heard of any like groundswell of Catholic Freemasons that are like, well, since that came out, uh, I guess I have to go turn in my dues card, which is fascinating because uh, back in 2015, when I did the, the Freemasonry survey, I did ask what religion do you ad- adhere to or feel like, you know, you are a member of. And it was something like, 17 to 20% of the Freemasons surveyed answered Catholic. Awesome. Love to have you guys. Love to have all our Catholic brothers. Mm-hmm. And so they're still members of the craft, I would assume. So, like, are, are, is that 20% of those respondents just gonna like not show up anymore? Uh, well, I, I think, well,
2: so uh, going, you know, going back to your, um, your research from back then, um, which i remember i I took that survey um well thank you i did i did did. um it's interesting because we as americans don't have that same in general making Mm -hmm. a very general statement sure don't have that same sense of influence from rome that many other countries have as well you know let's look at south america um predominantly roman catholic um Mm -hmm. any you know philippines is another one predominantly roman catholic Mm -hmm. um very very roman catholic so you know we don't have the same and we're just here we're just a melting pot of all different faiths and beliefs and and systems and things um so we don't have that that boot that's riding us all day long right because yeah 98 of the people in the same room as you are not roman catholic right so Mm -hmm. it's, it's a bit different um that's fair outcome that you would see here versus other parts of the world
0: so so there's that and the other thing that that i've been thinking of of when i when i heard about this is and i'm only applying it to my own condition because i Mm. you know i I, i'm probably more religious than than the average person i'm I'm a little bit more you know i try to think about what my theology is and and what are the rules based off of the uh, uh the flavor that i prescribe to and if I were a devout Catholic, I would have a really existential conversation with myself to say, well, even if it was gray before, it's certainly black and white nail that, uh, it's basically listed as a grave sin to be a member of the fraternity, which means you cannot take the Eucharist. A- and to, you know, to be denied <coughs> that sacrament, that's, that's,
1: that's a critical. Yeah. Like that is a critical spiritual ritual in
0: the faith, and and I would have a real hard time if if that were my my faith structure. I, I'm not a Catholic, but it's if if I were, I would have a lot of deep contemplation, deep deep thoughts about what do I do, how do I wrestle with this, knowing that the fraternity is not as bad as the Catholic Church makes it out to be. Right? Um, there is not no conflict. We don't conflict. know that. We are not a high enough degree. That's true. That's true. That's right. There's, al- there's always that level higher that you don't know about. Yeah. But yeah, like there's there's really no conflict of faith there. But if I'm being told by my elders that I should stop, I'd have to think really h- long and hard about what I would do in that situation. I don't know what I would do.
2: Yeah, I mean, and I wish, uh, you know, I, I joke to everybody that, that knows me that I'm a, I'm a recovering Catholic. Um, you know, I, uh, I grew up Roman Catholic. I went to Catholic school from kindergarten to 12th grade. Um, you know, I didn't know what Christianity, you know, non-Catholic Christianity was until I left New York um, because it didn't exist in my area. So it's, it's, it's really interesting to hear about this. As something new, you know what I mean? Because uh-huh. this has been around for three hundred years, so nothing has changed. Whether you're a Roman Catholic who's a Freemason who just joined last week, or you've been in for twenty years, it's been the same thing. Nothing has changed, right? It's right. just, you know, it's hitting your feed on Facebook now um, and getting <laughs> in the faith, so.
1: So I want to I want to bring up this great question by Scott. Said, so "Are we are we bad at all? Like, is there some merit to Catholicism? <laughs> so
0: are we the baddies?"
1: Uh, no, it's everyone else who is wrong. <laughs> and what I'd like to do is I'd like to actually read from the humanum genus um, from the 1800s. And um, starting at, at passage 13, in those matters which – uh. Gee, In those matters which regard religion, let it be seen how the sect of Freemasons acts, especially where it is more free to act without restraint, and then let anyone judge whether, in fact, it does not wish to carry out the policy of naturalists. This is the wrong section I was trying to talk about, the separation of church and state.
2: Well, I was... Well, so while you're looking for that, I was going to comment on the humanum genus. So that was a very specific document that was specifically created to combat the secularization of things in certain parts of Europe. Right. So the humanum genus came out when you started to uh, let's let's pick France, for example. Great example. You started seeing these Masonic organizations crop up Mm -hmm. that. Did not require you to have a belief in a supreme being, right? right. So, they started to take the exactly. r- the requirement for deity out of Freemasonry.
0: In that area at that time.
2: Absolutely. Right. So, you know, the humanum genus was a response to things that were happening like that. Where you had many, many Freemasons in France, another pre- predominantly Roman Catholic country. Um, and half of the Masonic gene pool was... You know, still recognize, quote unquote, you know, where they believed in a supreme deity, where you had a a growing bunch that were like, no, screw that. You know, we're just an organization. We don't need um, you can be an atheist and join. So those were the ones that were targeted. But like with all things in Freemasonry, one bad example becomes the beacon for, you know, someone to rally behind,
0: you know? Yeah, exactly.
1: So I was going to read is um, by a long and preserving labor. They endeavor to bring, a, bring about this result, namely the teaching that the office and authority of the church may become of no account in the civil state. And for this reason, they declare to the people and contend that the church and state ought to be altogether disunited. Hmm. Okay, I feel like that was kind of a foundational core principle of America's founding.
2: But Freemasonry, uh, but America, uh, Freemasonry, America wasn't founded by Roman Catholics.
0: Oh, touche. So we're all a bunch of sinners here. Got it. Yes. Yeah.
1: So, you know, ultimately, you know, is there merit to Catholicism's criticism of Freemasonry? In a lot of ways, yes. You know, we advocate mm-hmm. for religious toleration. We mm-hmm. advocate for separation of church and state. Mm-hmm. We advocate for you secular know prayer, right. secular prayer, secular mm-hmm. prayer, rationalism. Right? It's it's the idea that Freemasonry is a brotherhood of man under the fatherhood of God, not the fatherhood of God and the Trinitarian Christian view of
0: under the direction know, of the of Pope. Him. Right. Right. Exactly. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. And that's one of the beautiful things about Freemasonry is its ecumenical nature.
0: Yep. All right. Well, we're at that time. Uh, I'm sure we could talk all night about this topic, Uh, but we wanted to at least address it because it is fresh in the news again after 400 years. So um, on the topic of enclosed Catholicism, Jason, what say you?
1: Catholicism better be in (laughs) clothes. I feel like when you keep your clothes on in the church, it probably goes better for everybody.
0: Indeed. I I will second that. Especially during the singing.
1: Distracting. Yes. Might be distracting. See what I did there. When I play drums for my Methodist church, I typically keep my clothes on.
0: Typically.
2: Yes. It's a plus. Double plus.
0: Yeah. Final thoughts. That was my final thought. I think he just gave you his final thought. You you
1: said enclosed Catholicism. I said, yes, keep your clothes on. All right.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. So, um, very cool episode. Uh, Thank you, John, for – oh, Suncard. I'm not even going to say that. Um, (laughs) For the audio folks, you got to have to watch on YouTube. Um, Yeah, I I think – awesome episode, and I'm really glad that you brought this topic up because I knew little about it, and I think it really – lends itself to be something that Freemasons should look into and research and maybe apply to their Freemasonry, right? Um, it definitely gives you a different look into why we do the things we do and why we dress the way we dress and why we ascribe symbolism to it. So I think it's phenomenally awesome. Um, I'm going to take a personal second um, to say thank you. To tomorrow is my last day of meeting as master. I'm super excited and uh, I want to thank a uh, ton of people. I want to thank uh, everybody at Manassa Lodge for putting up with me for two years. Um, it has been a really hard but really fun and gratifying two years. I want to thank all of you um who came out at least year one and <laughs> supported me uh, not knowing we were going to have a year two but to john and jason and uh robert and everybody else um thank you so much for all your support and your words of wisdom and your your counsel and your shoulders to cry on it's it's been awesome so uh yeah. all the
1: times you left me outside the damn door
2: I, and you know what? And I thank you for, for being patient with me. And, uh, yeah, I had two years to, to get that right. So, um, yeah, man, it's been a blast and I'm looking forward to tomorrow. And, uh, yeah, I just want to say thank you to all of you for, for taking that ride with me. It's been a
0: blast. We're excited for you, Joe and and well-deserved. Awesome. Yes. Okay. Uh, let's see. over to me and we got to turn off that banner. Please do. We're we're going to leave that on forever. Um, yeah. So this is an interesting topic. Um, I think that, yes, we need, we need more Masonic spreadsheets <laughs> and, um, yeah, take away. Let's, uh, let's try to be more meaningful about what we wear at a lodge in whatever fashion that looks like so that we can enhance our experience and be better men. That's what we're all about. So, um, uh, if we should always be looking at any sort of tips and tricks, that can improve our human condition, improve ourselves as men and masons and improve ourselves in the world. So with that, I want to thank you all very much for watching. Have a good night and keep searching for more light. Have a good one.
1: Wow. Wow.